Hello, everybody, and welcome back to WCAT Live the Den. I'm Ethan. I am Matthew Posner. And we are back with another episode, so to speak, of our... What are we doing? Talking about sports. And in this issue, we're in a new decade, and now that we're in the 2020s, and big events have happened so far as we just got back from winter break since uh, the NFL playoffs happened, and that's what we're going to be starting off with. I will begin the proceedings with the first game I want to talk about is the first one that happened, Buffalo Bills-Houston Texans. Um, Bills were up 16-0, about 10 minutes left in the third quarter. Deshaun Watson turns superhuman, delivers perfect throws. They got DeAndre Hopkins involved, even though they did not have Will Fuller for the game, and the Texans make a charge in a 16-point comeback. They lead by three. Bills force overtime. Then Texans win off a ridiculous play by Deshaun yeah. Watson. I, I don't know how to describe that play. I mean, they had Deshaun Watson was just standing in the pocket, literally got clobbered by two guys from either side. He, he, he made himself look like an Oreo. He got sandwiched <laughs> between two guys. I, and he somehow didn't even move. He, he just stood there like it was nothing just happened and then delivered a beautiful pass to the wide open guy. And way downfield, and that got him to field goal range, and that ended up being the winning field goal. So it, it was just an insane play, and it goes to show why I think the Texans and Deshaun Watson, they had J.J. Watt back, which is another incredible story. How you go from a torn pectoral, just three pectoral muscles, just like two or three months ago, and be able to come back and play. He had a sack and a half. Just he played so well, and when you can get that kind of play, especially from players like Whitney Merciless on that defensive line. You have your secondary players like Tayshawn Gibson and um, Gary on Conley. You just have everything working defensively, not in the first half, but second half. They really found a way to stop that Bills rushing attack. Final score was 22-19. Texans move on to play the Chiefs next weekend. Yep, and one last thing before you move on, I just want to talk about how disappointing this game was for the Bills. Yeah. It's been since 1975, I believe, or 1976. Somewhere, somewhere in those 1970s was the last time the Bills won a playoff game. No, it was, I think, or, 1990s. 90s, sorry. Excuse, excuse me, something along those lines. It's been a long time since the Bills have last even won a single game in the playoffs. And it's just disappointing as each year – they just can't come up with it. They had a 16-point lead. Josh Allen was looking amazing at the start. He was able to move, and then slowly but surely, dumb decisions came out of Sean McDermott, Josh Allen, and that ended up being costly. So, Because they got away from Devin Singletary. And he's their play, playmaking running back who brings that energy source, I think, for Buffalo. It was just a terrible decision. They only ran the ball with him like five times in the second half, and when you're up by 16, you would think that you start to try and run the ball more, but that was the opposite of the case. They were getting desperate, making really bad plays, and Allen, again, was great in this game. But First you half. Could, you could <laughs> tell the nerves got to him. I would agree. And, I mean, that really is all there is to say. I'm disappointed because I thought the Bills were going to be my dark horse. Yeah, he was a big fan of it. Bills coming in. I just think the dark horse team, I thought – Clearly we're wrong because we've got two other teams that have filled that role perfectly. We'll get to those in a little bit. Uh, where do you want to go next? Well, before we do anything, i got to do this real quick. Here we go. I, I can only play it for a few seconds for copyright reasons. But if you don't know that song, that's the celebration song because guess what happened? Patriots lost, baby! Thank God, I believe every NFL fan, me, you, were being biased here, but thank you so much. The Patriots lost. Wow. I, 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 again, I am a Jacksonville Jaguars diehard fan. I brought a Titans, ginormous Titans flag to school. I've been repping that thing all day long, flashing that everywhere, and it, it's just it's so much better now in the NFL. And I get it. I, I get that you live in Boston and you're a Patriots fan. I don't think you're listening from Boston. But if you are and you're a Patriots fan, too bad. Sorry. <laughs> you, if, you are, you, if you live in Boston, you're a Patriots fan. If you live anywhere outside of Boston, you're not band a Patriots wagon. fan. There's too many bandwagons. Or band you're a bandwagon. And I think that this effectively ends the dynasty. Derrick Henry is an absolute monster. But if they want to 
any chance to go anywhere further than this. Tannehill can't throw for 72 yards in the game. Uh, I get that Derrick Henry, literally your playbook is pretty much all run plays, Mike Vrabel, I get it. You, you got to pass the football sometime. And the Patriots clearly didn't get the memo. They thought this was going to be a practically bye week for them. They did not come in with full effort at all. And now the question is, is Tom Brady done? I mean, I think Tom Brady, there, there's been lots of talks from everybody saying, oh, Tom Brady is going to be gone. I think he's going to stay. His contract is up in New England. They have said so far that they weren't going to re-sign him, so to speak, at the start, and he's already sold his house. So it's looking like Brady is done. But I think, like, I think New England's going to pull some strings. Brady still has a lot left in him, as he's shown. Even though he's been struggling, the offense overall has been struggling, mainly probably because of him. I think there's another... Even though I think he's still got at least one more year, and I think that's the max. I don't think he's going to be playing any more other than that. He's played for way too long. He's already 42, 43, I, I believe. I think he's pushing 43. Yeah. I, I think he's at 42, though, He right is now. very old. He's reached his limit, and father time is coming up. And as, a lot, what is it, as I heard before, Peyton, he's turning into the Peyton Manning, where you, you want to enjoy the greats as they still have it, but father time is finally coming up, and it's, He's going to be taking away the greats, and I believe it's Tom Brady's time to end it. But if he were to stay, he'd have one more year, and there's been lots of talks of where he's going, Miami, uh, the Chargers, some uh, even maybe the Bears, I've, as some of these Chicago wins have been saying. Yeah, they uh, already committed to Trubisky. That's not happening. <laughs> All the Chicago fans want to hope, but we'll see. And Although, m- moving on from that, i got to say – New England, you're, we're, we're sorry. Uh, as a Dolphins fan, I believe we're the ones who caused this whole entire thing to happen. Yes, you did. You started the, you started the fire. Yes. Uh, we, the Dolphins, a not-so-great team, finished 5-11, and had no really big hopes, supposed to be the worst team in the league, ended up beating the New England Patriots, the ones that were supposed to be one of the better teams in this league, especially through the first eight games. New England looked outright unstoppable. And by the end of the season, week 17, Miami comes into New England, Gillette Stadium, and they end up uh, causing that, have, having that <laughs> as a loss as you were. Uh, I had Miami winning that game. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you why. Because every time this, this time of year, New England is already locked in playoffs. They don't really care. Miami, Miami's literally been their worst nightmare for years, by the way. I mean, because if they lose to anybody in the division, it's Miami. This Dolphins team with Brian Flores clearly proved they weren't tanking. They wanted to give the Patriots a taste of their own medicine. And by beating them, forcing the Patriots to play last weekend, it worked. It went from the Patriots not even having played a game yet in the playoffs to they're already out because of what the Dolphins set up. Yep. And (laughs) it's insanity. (laughs) Yeah, thanks to Mike Giusecki there for that game-winning touchdown saving us on that final drive and fits magic matthew's favorite uh player so to speak <laughs> yeah except for gardner Minshew. yeah i mean yes we fits magic gardner Minshew, blake bortles yeah but thanks to miami that all happened and the titans were able to do it i mean as you were saying though with derrick henry derrick henry had 34 rushes for 182 yards 34 carries is way too much and that's not gonna always win yeah yeah no kidding so, as, as we were saying earlier, that we got, we, they, if the Titans are going to be coming into this next game against Baltimore, which is one of the better teams, they got to change their game plans because I don't think rushing it, even though Derrick Henry is humongous and he is oversized compared to the other running backs in this league, power that doesn't always, what is it, or it doesn't always work out. And Baltimore with John Harbaugh had one of the smarter game planning coaches in the entire league. Yeah. I believe is going to find a way to stop him, and that's going to lead to Tannehill having to make some more decisions. Tannehill, former Dolphins quarterback, I believe in him, but we'll have to see. He's proven himself to be their starting quarterback, too. I, I, I agree or disagree on that. I, I think the Titans easily have found their future in Ryan Tannehill, even though they thought it was going to be Mariota. And and now that here's the thing, too. Derrick Henry, I have a clearer comparison to. The game he plays – is, is very similar to Beast Mode in his prime. They're built practically the same way. It's all power, power running. 
And when you get them past that line of scrimmage, you get them through that, that I don't know what you want to call it, that gap, he's gone. And it's the same, it was the same thing with Beast Mode. You could not stop him. He's like the running back version of George Kittle. <laughs> uh, good luck tackling him by yourself, especially nope. in that secondary. Nope, you're not tackling him. And will the Ravens have an answer for Derrick Henry? They don't. I'm not even sure they need to stop him because I think their offense gets it done enough. But they would at least like to walk out with some pride and good defense. We'll just we'll just have to see because I believe this Baltimore defense has been outright unstoppable mm-hmm. in trying to Agreed. stop yes trying to stop a. 6'3", 238-pound running back. Yeah. It's going to be one of the harder things to do. I don't, they have not versed each other at all so far in the regular season, and I don't think in a decent amount of time. So ne- neither team has seen each other in a while. This Titans team is definitely newer since, the, I believe, the last time they versed them. Yeah. But with Derrick Henry going unstoppable, the, the power run is going to be the thing that they have to do, and if they stop that, it's going to be up to Tannehill to make the decision. It's, this is his first time playing in the playoffs. He was able, in his first game in the playoffs, he was able to do a very, very great job. And even though he uh, only three, what is it, uh, attempted 15 passes, I think it's going to definitely, the, the margin is definitely going to change because Baltimore is going to go up, and they're not going to be able to run it as much, and we'll have to see some more Tannehill than Derrick Henry. And here's the thing. Tannehill did a good job in the first game of winning. Did he do anything else? Nope. Except for throw a touchdown. Give him that. Yes. But really, <laughs> I mean, he didn't do anything. We need to see more from him. Uh, just way more from him if they want any chance at all of beating the best team in the entire NFL Yep. in and, Baltimore. And moving on to the second day of the playoffs, this is we're moving to the NFC, the big game between Minnesota and New Orleans. You like that? Yep, thank you. Kirk Cousins goes 0 for 9 in his career on Monday Night Football games. He's gone 0 for 2, 0 for 3 in the playoffs. 0 for 3. 0 for 3. He's looked awful anytime it comes to like the pressure in some primetime games. Finally gets it done in New Orleans, not even in Minnesota. Great Super game dumb. out of him. And Kirk Cousins shocked me. Uh, out of everything this weekend, the most surprising thing for me this weekend, actually, it's not. it wasn't the most surprising thing. I'll get to that in a minute. Yes. But the most surprising thing to me, uh, especially from this team, is Clutch Kirk. Clutch Kirk. Clutch Kirk. I, I, I like holy that. Holy cow. I mean, where, did this, where was this performance all year? Where, where was this? You could have, if you would have had this, you would have beaten the, the Packers at least once. The talent level on this team, on paper, is so. Look at this: 19 of 31, 242 yards and a touchdown. I don't think that that gives enough justice as to how well he played. I would like to say, but he just had an incredible day. He had 129 of his yards to Adam Thielen. Yeah, he found his guy. The extremely debatable touchdown to Kyle Rudolph in the end zone, which yes. we, I'll discuss here in a minute. Mm-hmm. But the Saints keep losing in these playoff situations, and you have to think if the Saints are still going to be a big piece of this playoff next year. Yes, they were irrelevant this year. They were thirteen and three overall in the season. Looked like downright unstoppable with their offense between Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. They set records. Michael Thomas set the reception record in NFL history in the regular season. He was going off. There was really no team that got that could really stop him. They, what is it? Michael Thomas led the league in receptions overall history. He led the league in yards, like yardage-wise, by a lot. Like there was nobody really close to him. He was at least 100, 200 yards up on the next closest person, and. To think that the Saints team ended up coming short, they had so many opportunities. But when you got to go up against a defense like Minnesota, it just surprised Sean Payton in that offense. I mean, the only thing going for them, despite Drew Brees, was Taysom Hill playing quarterback, running back, wide receiver, the uh, punt returner, punt returner, special teams. He played every position, and Sean Payton had some great game plans for him. But besides him, Kamara seven rushes for 21 yards. New Orleans rushing offense that used to be, what is it, very, very good over the last two years just disappeared. They had 
total of 97 yards. I mean, most of them from Taysom Hill because he had he, 50 yards rushing. Yes. And, and he's not even a running back. He's a quarterback. Um, next Lamar Jackson. Well, eh? <laughs> uh, no, I'm genuine. I'm actually that's not even a joke. He could be if he replaces uh, Drew Brees, which Drew Brees is getting old. Which so. I'm going to bring up right now, actually. Mm-hmm. I think Drew Brees has one year left. He's that's it. Yes. I think this is his last chance because if they – I think next year they might not even make the playoffs. I, I genuinely believe that. And Saints might not get another chance. Drew Brees, 41. Father time, too, is catching up to him like it is TB. Mm-hmm. And I think this ends Brees, a, a legitimate chance of winning another. So I think that this is the last chance we get before Taysom Hill takes over. Because Taysom Hill, or are you going to think they might keep Teddy Bridgewater? That's now this thing. is what I was going to say. Yeah. Bridgewater's gone. Uh, he's, he's gone. He is going to try and find himself a job. Bridgewater gets, because he went 5-0, and the game tape when he replaced Drew Brees with that thumb injury. <coughs> Excuse me. The tape shows everything. The, he needs to be starting somewhere. He, he is worth the talent level. I know that gruesome injury uh, in practice – a few years ago, that torn ACL and just everything that's messed up with his knees. I get it. He was not hindered by that those injuries at all during this five-week stretch of the Saints. Somebody needs to go pick him up and give him a chance. We'll see who he has to say, but the thing that sucked about the Saints is that, as we were going to say about the overtime rules, Drew Brees, one of the better quarterbacks in the league, didn't get to touch the ball in overtime because of what happened Minnesota. We were just, excuse me, Minnesota led the entire game, and then the Saints were able to make a huge comeback in the fourth quarter, had 10 points of fourth quarter. That's what led them to go to overtime. Minnesota wins the, I believe they win the kickoff. They choose to receive, and Minnesota drives all the way down, and a huge play from Kirk Cousins, probably the throw of his lifetime, throwing to Adam Thielen deep toward, what is it, into the red zone. They were uh, all the way down to the 10-yard line. One of the biggest throws, as I said, that was humongous for them, but... Two plays later, they throw to uh, uh, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph and the most uh, controversial one of the plays. The Saints obviously have been screwed over so many times with the uh, the infamous no call last year and just years upon end. And every single time, they just seem to come up just short. And things that you like, as you said, things are finally coming to an end and there's some questions raising like are the Saints done are they what, what's going to happen they keep choking in the playoffs and they're a playoff team they're great they just can't find a way to win in these playoffs and keep on choking and if you wonder how long is it going to be before they have to call it quits and maybe start a fresh rebuild but I don't know what, what going back to like the play that people have been saying controversial what are your yeah. thoughts on that if you want my actual thoughts yes. on this I'll give it to you right here terrible again terrible where ball. is the review where is where are you al riveron we where those. are you nfl <laughs> officiating where are you this is what the rule was made for was plays like this it was all the rule was made for was to review these debatable calls on pass interference that were blatantly missed last year and i believe blatantly missed here again rudolph clearly pushes off Full extension of the arm. Full extension of the arm. Which is against the rules, and that would be a uh, offensive PI, but... Another missed call. They didn't even review the damn play. And it, this is why I, I have a proposed solution for overtime, and I don't know if you have one too. Mm-hmm. You play a full quarter. A full quarter. You get three timeouts each side. It's just an extra quarter. Mm-hmm. Extra quarter of football. If you're tied at the end of the quarter, screw it. Go to another one. If a team is winning at the end of the quarter, game over. But the big, cha- the big difference here, because they don't allow coaches to challenge in these overtime periods. They got to change that. That changes now. They have to change. You are now allowed to throw challenge flags. Not all reviews come from upstairs because they miss a lot. I think the Saints are going to be starting a whole entire petition as they usually do. <laughs> they did last year and it worked. Saints defensive end Cameron Jordan after the game said, I'm pretty sure they'll make a new rule after it or something. He's probably right. This play, once again, will probably force another rules change, and they keep getting screwed over in the playoffs again and again and again. Not the first time it's happened. (laughs) And I'm not saying the Vikings didn't deserve to win this game, because they did. Mm -hmm. They they played better. 
but that call was blatantly missed. And I'm not saying that the Saints still wouldn't have lost that game because the Vikings were getting a field goal out of that drive no matter what happened. Mm -hmm. Note that in the last game where they had the infamous null call, the Saints did get the ball first. So you could call some, like, different things where the Saints, it's their fault that they choked, it's their fault that they did this, but... Here, oh, here you don't get that. That was mm-hmm. the other thing. Both sides, obviously, if you play a full quarter, both teams are likely going to get the ball. So you, you got to let both teams get a chance. It's, I don't know what you yeah. can compare it to. That, the thing that I had was the propose was, I don't know if you watch college football at all. College football overtime is the greatest yep. overtime yes, yes, there yes. is. There's, each team gets the ball. It's inside, I believe, the 25-yard line. It's the opposing 25. you got to have they, 25 yards to the yeah, end zone. Yeah, 25 yards to the end zone. Each team gets the ball, and it's the most thrilling, and, like, it's, it's so much fun to watch. It's anything could happen. It's inside the 25-yard line. This is where coaches have to pull everything out of their playbooks. The players got to play very, very well, and you never know. I mean, they're, they're already in field goal range. It's constant scoring. Everyone likes it. That's why I think the NFL should not only adapt it, try and improve it even more make it even better because it's, it's so much fun to watch that why not just implement that into the nfl if people like it i'm gonna add off to what you said why fix what isn't broken yeah <laughs> it isn't broken take it straight out of the ncaa and say you know what this is our idea and can't, it's called kansas city overtime rules because it's where it originated and i think they need to keep it i think they need to do that because it's a shootout it gives every single NFL fan going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. It, there's it, no excuses there after is the game no saying, excuses. oh, we didn't get to touch the ball. And Well, of course there's NFL poor ref calls, but yes. which you hear about every <laughs> single day now. Uh, but anyway, it, I don't care if it goes to 10th overtime. I really don't. I mean, because there was a game this year in college football that went to 7th overtime. Last year, too. The game took six hours I know it's long, but it's still fun to watch. It seven, is. Seven overtimes, and I'm still that, enjoying it. That, that is the big issue, though, with the NFL and why I don't think they're going to do it. Injury concerns, the amount of time it takes, all, all the scheduling concerns, <sighs> playoff games that start at 7 o'clock, you wouldn't be out there until 1. Like, there's just so many concerns that I don't think Roger Goodell has the – I'm not going to say that. Roger Goodell yeah. has the guts. <laughs> yes. And the NFL – committee has the guts to pull off something like that it's just sad that it's, nothing's gonna probably happen because no. of that it's, it's no. just sad because you really hope for it and all the fans have been asking for it and wanting it and that's why i think maybe with the implement of the xfl as it's coming 2020 that's That'll where i think watch, yeah. it's gonna be interesting because as with the allegiance football league and as of the xfl the nfl is the bigger superior like superior company but they learn from these younger groups because in the end, usually, usually the, the what is it, the uh, older, so to speak, the bigger companies and the bigger associations last longer as because the NFL has lost longer. And we all saw what happened last, with, last time with the XFL, but the NFL took some stuff from the, X, from the XFL. They learned, and that's why I think from the XFL coming back again, they're bringing some brand new ideas. I just I was reading an article about it. They're bringing time constantly running. They're bringing a ton of new rules that I think the NFL should take some notes, think about it, talk it over, and maybe add it some more into it because you never know. It, like, it's, there's, this has been a major concern, a major problem with the NFL. I understand the NFL is one of the bigger sports, but going forward, it's going to get boring. It's going to get bored. Like, people are going to get bored of it, and that's going to lead to the downfall of the NFL. And if they don't decide to change anything soon, things are going to be headed for the worst, so to speak. I don't disagree with that, and I don't really know if there's anything for me to add on to this. But yeah. <laughs> what I will say is the NFL needs to make some changes, as I piggyback off of what you said. NFL needs to make some changes, and if they fail to do so, they lose cut, they lose overall ratings, they lose players. We're already seeing that. I mean, high schools, especially ours, I hate to do, do that, but, I mean, you can tell we have people playing on both positions in, on offense and defense in high schools, and it's not just our high school. Plenty of other high schools have mm-hmm. the same issue because they don't have the enrollment in these things that others do. And, again, and that's not a product of coaching or anything. I think it's just a product of people who are afraid of the sport in a way. And that combined with all these really questionable rules, I think it's just going to lose interest from young kids and in a couple, in maybe 20 to 25 years, you just won't have enough players. 
There's going to be a definite downfall. Talent's not going to be as big, and that's why it's going to be huge for the NFL to make a decision, so to speak. So. Yeah. All right, let's head to game number four, the final one of the weekend, and the most ironic f- football game I've ever <laughs> seen. I've seen this one before. <laughs> Seahawks-Eagles in Philadelphia. The story heading in, who stays healthy for the Eagles? The injuries, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Deshaun Jackson. You almost forgot Deshaun Jackson was even on that football team. And defensively, their secondary is completely battered and bruised. Jordan Howard, Darren Sproles. I mean, the whole world is falling on its yeah, it's not, butt. It's, and it's not the first time it's happened either. <laughs> Last year and two years ago, the same story. But the one difference, fourth year the Eagles made the playoffs under Carson Wentz. This is the first time Carson Wentz played in a playoff game. Guess what happens, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Six minutes in, Jadavion Clowney says, yeah, I don't like this kid, and absolutely clam. I mean, just kills him. <laughs> I, I mean, we can get to that here in a minute because I love Jadavion Clowney. That was one of the dirtiest plays I've ever seen. I'm sorry. And no one's talking about Nobody's it. Nobody's talking about it, but we will. And... <laughs> Josh McDubbs <laughs> comes in. Uh, oh, 40-year-old quarterback who hasn't taken a practice snap in three months. Hey, go win a playoff game for us. Uh, and <clears throat> ah! <laughs> the, the injury that the Eagles finally could not overcome was it, Carson Wentz. And the only reason why is because guess who's not there? Nick, Nick Foles. Foles. Where, I, <clears throat> I love, I'm crazy how to think that Nick Foles – Leaving or get rid of him ended up costing them this game because if they kept him, I here's the thing he, he might have done it again. Here's the thing, I think Carson Wentz is a great, great quarterback. He's better than I thought. He's played well. Here is the glaring, obvious, huge problem. Can't stay healthy. I, I'm sorry. And everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, it was a head injury. It wasn't even his fault. He didn't even get hurt. It was such Jadavion Clowney, blah, blah, blah. It's not It's durability. Fault. It's still durability. You have these knee injuries. You have well, – it was a knee injury. It was a back injury. What was it three years ago? It, two it years was, ago was a torn ACL. Last yes. year was the back. What was it three years ago? God, I don't remember. It was his first year. It was a rookie year. Wasn't it? Was it a broken I, thumb or something like that? Something to do with his hand. Yeah, and he didn't play there either. Now, granted, Nick Foles wasn't even there at the time. I don't even remember. Was it Sam Bradford? It was Sam Bradford. Yeah. Um, who now is – yeah, he's, that's another story. He's, he's retired but, and long gone. So He's been long gone for a while. Um, but they couldn't overcome this. Josh McCown, I give him all the credit. He played great. But he kind of like – he had the 40-year-old busting off 20-yard runs. That, that was so much fun. And, you know, here's the problem. Everybody, you can rip on me all you want. They made the wrong choice in the free agency at quarterback. Argue with me all you want. You can say that's not fair. I don't care, Mr. They, Jacksonville over here. <laughs> they made well. I, I'm being unbiased here. Yes. I genuinely think they all made right. the wrong call. I, I think Nick Foles should have stayed in Philly. He had something there. He went to Jacksonville, and you can clearly tell that that system doesn't fit as well as it has. Uh, it, it's the same thing with the Rams. It was the same thing when he played with the Rams. He looked terrible. He's only fit in that Philly system. It hasn't worked elsewhere. That's been the killer. And the, the big issue here is th- they will not have sustainability at the quarterback position until they switch franchise quarterbacks. They will not have sustainability. They will have to deal with the fact that they need a backup quarterback because Carson Wentz will not and cannot stay healthy. It's a sad, sad thing to, to hear is. about, but it that's is. just the reality of it is Carson Wentz, just one of the unluckiest players, in my opinion, in this league. <laughs> in NFL so history. Yeah, NFL history just can't survive getting away with anything. Can't, as you were saying earlier, durability is just not the greatest. Durability 25 on Madden, people. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is. It's not even a joke. Um, but, yeah. It, it, what else can you say? Seahawks played great. Mm-hmm. We got a beast mode touchdown. That's all we care about. <laughs> and Pete Carroll came out today on the radio and said against the Packers, we're, we're getting beast mode in there as our number one. And good mm-hmm. because he Travis Homer, I, lo- I think it's a great story for Travis. He, really, 
11 Get rushes for face, 12 man. yards. I'm sorry. Nobody cares about you, Travis. And I, his I, longest run was a 12-yard run, if you care. <laughs> yeah, he had 10 carries for a combined zero yards. The other carry was a 12-yard run that got him, like, early on, first down. <sighs> really? <laughs> he was a six-round pick for a reason, people. Marshawn Lynch is a first-ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest running backs of all time for a reason. Give him the Skittles, baby. <laughs> yeah. First touchdown in uh, Week 17 against the Niners. Skittles everywhere. And – why are you not playing beast mode really like we didn't come here to watch beast mode get six carries really give us more beast mode you can see he has it in him look at that five-yard touchdown he looked like an absolute monster what are you doing run the football and if you don't do it against green bay if you don't get beast mode a chance to get 15 to 20 carries against green bay you're going to lose yeah, and, uh, not only is Marshawn Lynch the only beast mode on this team, DK Metcalf. What was it, 160? 160 yards and a touchdown. And it was seven receptions of that. He just looked unstoppable against this Eagles team. I understand that they're one of the safeties, and, and he's a rookie coming out in this game and absolutely just taking it all, all just taking it over. I mean, Tyler Lockett, one of their better wide receivers, didn't do that much. He wasn't much a factor. David Moore... The, the, the main factor, the main key to, my opinion, the Seahawks winning this Josh entire Gordon? game. Well, we all know where Josh Gordon is. <laughs> um, Suspended. And, uh, <laughs> indefinitely. Yes, and DK Metcalf has just been, what, what is it, one of the bigger picks, surprises that no one really drafted him that early. <laughs> all right. As Matthew wants to say something. Yeah. Um, I was at, okay, going back to Jacksonville again. Oh, great. Seventh pick <laughs> in the NFL draft. I'm sitting here begging for DK Metcalf. Seven. Pick seven. We draft Josh Allen, which, by the way, is my home screen now on my phone. But I'm sitting here. I'm like, okay, he's going to be number two off the board receivers, right? 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 Wait, wait. Okay. Wait a I'm sitting here. Pick 16. No, 15, sorry. Dwayne Haskins. I'm like, okay, well, Matt Calf should be right here. 16, nope. We're all the way at, like, 22, and I'm sitting here. My, my brother, who really doesn't even know football, but he knows DK Metcalf, um, is sitting over here like, why has DK Metcalf not been drafted? And I'm like, your guess is as good as mine. We wait until Friday when it's rounds two and three. Pick 48. I'm sitting here and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside gets drafted. The Eagles, you really re- should have rethought that. <laughs> um, what a coincidence. Yeah, that would have really helped, uh, just saying. And then I'm just sitting here like, who and DK Metcalf still on the board, and I'm just like, what, why? We're at pick 64, the final pick of the second round, and I see the Seahawks trade up, and I'm like, finally? Because y'all knew who it was going to be then. He was, a, he was a top 10 prospect going 64th in the draft, and there was no issues with him? No background. Well, the, well, there was one issue. It's his uh, route running, which isn't the greatest, but since he's so big, <laughs> I, he, just, he could overpower. Route running, not an issue. And when you're the 64th pick... You run them straight forward, and it's a guaranteed 40-yard bomb. Why did people pass him up? So Every single team had a draft pick, except for the Bears. Except for the Bears. Oh, before, the Bears. before every other team, except for the Bears, passed up on DK Metcalf at some point in time. And almost every team, except for the Cardinals. I, 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 throw, I throw in all the top 10 teams, because they all got good picks. And the Bengals really could have used him, too. Uh <laughs> Remember A.J. Green? But uh, <laughs> why? That was just so dumb on so many levels why everybody passed up on him, and he's teaching everybody, shouldn't have passed up on me now, huh? <clears throat> oh, my goodness. A- absolutely. D.K. Metcalf, just un- unstoppable as always. But mo- moving on, so to speak, unless you want to add anything else. I was going to ask you a question, yeah. actually. Yes. You had the 13th pick in the NFL draft this past year. You selected Christian Wilkins out of Clemson. Would you rather have Wilkins or Metcalf? I just want to ask you, as a, as a Dolphins fan, who would you rather have and why? As a Dolphins fan, all year long, I as it come into this, I would have loved DK Metcalf personally. But as, as I saw the season progress and what the Dolphins got, they had plenty of un, like, unbeknownst talents. They had someone as big and as good, in my opinion, as a wide receiver, like, which is crazy to say, as big as DK Metcalf is. We picked up Preston Williams, an undrafted free agent out of yeah. Colorado State. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was sad that he what is it, ended up tearing his ACL mm-hmm. in one of the games prior, but he w- was a huge like surprise to me. 
but not as big as obviously Devontae Parker being the fifth leading receiver in the entire league. Oh, he didn't surprise me. I knew he was going to have a good year, especially when you don't have anybody else on that team. Yeah, he fi- he finally stayed healthy, and they had all these wide receivers pop out of nowhere. I'm like, okay, maybe DK Metcalf wasn't the the only option, and then Christian Wilkins come into the game and coming in. He was the what is it the best defensive tackle out of all the defensive tackles that got drafted. What is it? I believe there are two: Quinnen Williams and uh, Dexter Lawrence. They draft got drafted before him. No, He's Lawrence the best. got drafted, I think, Lawrence, after him. Or I just think. just after him. Out of all the defensive tackles, so to speak, he he was the best. He he had uh, what is it ratings all rating wise. He had the most tackles. He had the most sacks. He was the best one on the team, and no one's talking about it because it's the Dolphins. But still, that's that's why I think DK because. If even though if the Dolphins got DK, I don't. I feel in my opinion, I don't think they would have used him correctly. <laughs> as he oh is. come on, you got to be positive over here. You're a Dolphins fan. Hey, after going five and eleven, things aren't the greatest. <laughs> it's better than what I thought. So. Hey, but oh, I just think that they wouldn't have probably used him correctly, as I was saying, and getting better defense, which is definitely one of the main problems on the Dolphins team coming into this. Having a defensive tackle, a stable defensive tackle next to Dave, Devon uh, Godshaw, who also had a great year himself. Between those two, they were able to shut down the run defense and able to beat the Patriots. If I can't stop Hell saying Hell yeah! Can't stop saying that, so. <laughs> that, well, that's I, I can't opinion. either, but. Um, I, if I, and now I'm here as a Jaguars fan and I'm sitting yeah, here. Yeah, why, why would you, why didn't you pick DK Metcalf yourself? I'd rather have DK than Josh Allen, and that's no disrespect to Josh Allen. He played great, great football. But DK Metcalf, <laughs> like, I want, I've wanted this kid since he came into Ole Miss. And the thing is, he is going to be, in a couple of years, one of the best in the league, I think. And he is going to be. And is already. You can see the level of talent. He's just a deep threat wide receiver. I compare him kind of to OBJ. Because if you haven't, if you haven't seen, go back to DK Metcalf's college highlights. He was the one-handed king. <laughs> he legit though. I'm not even joking. He could do that with ease. Like he he probably caught more passes with one hand than he did with two. And blame that to chalky SEC defenses. But apart from Alabama. But and again. He's just so good. Josh Allen, I wish I had both. Josh Allen and Metcalf. <laughs> but you probably have Metcalf. Where do we want to go next here? There's plenty go, of directions that yeah, we can go. We'll stick with the NFL for now and go to the big uh, big hot topic that's been going around, which is the head coaching jobs, the yeah, new ones and go. the losses. Where, where would you like to start? The NFC East, obviously, since they had uh, – Considering they had two, uh, I would three, actually – Three, they had three. <laughs> three, yeah, yeah, you're right. I will start with uh, the first one we got hired. Washington Redskins, Ron Rivera. Um, our former Panthers coach, coached there for nine years, led him to Super Bowl. They didn't win, but they led him to a Super Bowl. Ron Rivera is well-respected in, enti- in all organizations across the NFL. Washington, you knew he was going to take over, and I think he's going to be ahead of their football operations. There have been four hires so far. Four, right? Four hires? There have been four. Four, so to speak, I believe. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll confirm that in a second. <laughs> yeah, confirm that in a second. I think there's been four hires. And even if there is, he's by far been the best of all of them. I think Rivera... He's the only stable head coach out of all of them joining any other okay, team. Okay, wait. All right, I'm trying to... Opinion. Oh, yeah, there's been four. There's been four because four. today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the two, one from the NFC. Anyway, we're getting off track. But... <laughs> Rivera is well-respected. We already know the success level he can have. This is a great hire for Washington, and it's even better now that Bruce Allen's out of the building. This lets him take over operations uh, as everything. I think this is a wonderful hire. A man with great experience. He is a culture changer. Riverboat Ron. Riverboat Ron, and this was a great, great decision. And what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I, I believe it was a great decision. Finally able to change the culture, the, that Washington team. The culture. Is actually damn good. No, no, it isn't, Bruce. A great quote from him, but just the, the, just everyone in that Washington organization. It's finally great to see that they're. F- I mean, the, the owner's still there. That, that's that's one of the main problems. I can't <laughs> yeah. forget his name. Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder is still there, but as although there's one one of the main brights or the dark spots, so to speak, on that team. There's 
a lot of other problems on that Washington team, and it seems that they're finally able to wake up and they're starting to change things, firing their head coach, which is something we've been seeing. And obviously after drafting, uh, two, having four quarterbacks on the roster, four like capable quarterbacks, Colt McCoy, <laughs> Dwayne Haskins, Case Keenum, and Alex Smith. And Alex Smith, even though Alex Smith's leg is gone, but the four <laughs> of them, the four of them are just, just when you, you have four of those quarterbacks, why are you doing that? It's like, it's it's not a smart idea, and then you're having so many other problems offensively, and the quarterbacks aren't producing, so to speak. Getting more and more quarterbacks is not always the great option. I mean, John Elway does the same thing, but well, that's that's another another time for another story. But yeah. <laughs> Well, he was a former quarterback, so he kind of loves that position, does Elway. But yeah. I, I'm going to – you, you want to go for the next uh, you, one here? You, you can keep going. All right. Um, let's, let, let's go with Mike McCarthy here. Um, yeah, that was a so, good, good start. So I, I'm, We're going to start with the firing, then we'll go to the hiring. All right. Jason Garrett is gone, people. Oh. Well, we we got to do the slow clap because that's what he does. Remember? Thank you, uh, how long did you have to wait for this, Jerry? Uh, like Nine years too long. <laughs> nine years too long. The man should have never been a head coach in the first place. Now he's finally gone. This organization could finally change. Everything's all perfect. It's finally time for the shift. Uh-oh. <laughs> Mike McCarthy's been hired. Yeah, three, this, three meetings for him. Jerry this Jeff. changes nothing. Because, and let me explain why. Did you see the tweet? Oh, okay, I'm pulling up the tweet from Schefter. This was either, it was yesterday. He posted a tweet around 10 a.m., about an hour after the announcement of his hiring. I'm going to repeat this, and this is not a joke. I really sincerely wish that it was. <laughs> um, it's not. Ready for this, people? Here we go. New Cowboys head coach, Mike McCarthy, stayed over at Jerry Jones' house on Saturday night per source. Here's the quote. Once you stay at Jerry's house, he doesn't lose his guy. What? what? So we're basically going to be seeing uh, Mr. Mike here for a very, very long time. I, I think so. Which is so, not a great idea. If you're a Cowboys fan, you're just banging your head across the wall as hard and as fast as you can. Because you are begging for change. You didn't get it. Jerry is the same man. He will control everything. He is a control freak, and he is not, and nothing changes. This hire is horrible. You needed to bring in somebody young, somebody who would change this organization. And I'm not saying Kellen Moore was ready, but he was their offensive coordinator. You could have thought about that. You there, could have brought in Lincoln so many, Riley. Yes, there were so many better player, like people they could have brought into the organization. And Mike McCarthy... As I'm reading through some other tweets and stuff that people have been saying, Mike McCarthy, is you saw what he did with Eddie Lacy. What is he gonna do to Ezekiel Elliott now? <laughs> I mean, he, uh, he ended Eddie he ended Eddie Lacy's career, which was so bright. Looked like he had a huge bright future. Now he gets to take on Ezekiel Elliott. We'll see if he even uses him in the offense because uh, in his offense of uh, his offensive scheme in Green Bay was just pass, 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 pass with Aaron Rodgers and Ezekiel Elliott, one of the better running backs in the entire league. That is not a good sign if I were him. I would be uh, McCarthy, raising some red yeah, flags. Sorry to interrupt you, but McCarthy is known for developing quarterbacks. They have Dak Prescott already. <laughs> and known for destroying running backs. This hire effectively does that. Um, I believe Zeke is going to have the worst year of his career next year. If you are a fantasy football player playing for money, don't draft him. Mm-hmm. And... And I'm here this year, and I drafted Zeke. Don't, There's don't a reason that. why Green Bay fired him. <laughs> you lost to the 3-13 and Cardinals last year, and they fire him immediately. And it's just like, yeah, you're gone. Bye. And, and the Cowboys think, oh, a former oh, head coach. Oh, let's grab him. <laughs> a coach that is failing, that can't really get much done offensively, we'll take him. I mean. A horrible hire. <laughs> uh, this was just, again, poor thinking. But this is not the worst we're going to get because I'm going to Giants next. And Yikes. Watch the ears. Yikes. Um, this, and this, was to, this was today. This was today. This was today. The Giants announced they are hiring Patriots special teams coordinator Joe Judge. Why? Why are you doing this? Why? 
just because he's from the Patriots, pa Patriots doesn't mean he's a good hire. Look at the Lions with Matt Patricia. It's not working. And this is another terrible coaching hire. Do you want Ben McAdoo back on your coaching staff? Because it might just be better than this. Joe Judge has no credentials. Wide receiver coordinator this year, too, by the way. How does that Patriots wide receiver core working for you? Um, dropping everything. This man knows nothing. Hopefully, he proves me wrong. This is an awful hire on so many levels. What, what are you doing? Well, honestly, why am I surprised? Dave Gettleman's the general manager. Yeah, they, they, they have an entirely young team a young team looking for some guidance, and they choose to draft not an experienced person, not not someone with any like prior experience at all. You said Joe. He's Thirty-eight, by the way. Yeah, he's the the young person. That ugh, just not a great idea at all. I I cannot I cannot believe like why. I understand the Patriots. Ooh, Patriots! It stands out. Ooh. Just oh my God! It's get New some England. Get some rainbows or some rainbows. Get some sparkles. It's Joe Judge. <laughs> wow, but. This is just not a great hire. Another failure, as we're, we're predicting here. But just why? Because just oh my goodness, I I don't, I don't know what this. If you're to a say. Giants fan, I'm crying myself to sleep tonight. Um, where who's the last one again? It is the new head coach for the Carolina Panthers okay, after yeah. losing Riverboat Ron. They decided to also sign today, I believe. Matt Rule, Baylor head coach. I I want you to start here. Because I've got you, you got pretty, some words. So. I've got some words, but I'm gonna let you start because he doesn't deserve to get smack mouth right away. But. Yeah, as I'll, I'll be, I'll pick the optimistic side. Is uh, compared to the other two teams we just talked about prior, he is an actual head coach and he's got some head coaching knowledge in him. Compared to the other two coaches, Joe Judge and uh, <laughs> what, what was the other one, Mike McCarthy. I mean, Mike McCarthy's got head coaching uh, or experience, but yeah. he's got. Uh, I mean, he won a Super Bowl too, but Aaron Rodgers carried him, but. Besides that point, I, I think it's an optimistic hire. Baylor, he, he's coming from a Baylor team that just had great success. There, he's one of the coaches bringing the college format, which has shown so far with all the Sean McVoy, or McVay and I believe the Arizona head coach, I can't think of his name right now. They've, like from the college standpoint, bringing these new offense, this new high-powered offense that they have been bringing into, this, into the NFL is something good. And that's why I think having a head coach from, from the college, and he, that's been there for a while, and he has the experience, coming into a Panthers team with some great talents, like, what is it, between DJ Moore and C-Mac, who C-Mac was just outright unstoppable this season, giving someone with college experience, which college football, if you don't know, they score a lot of points in that, and that's something that should be brought to mind when what is it signing a head coaching job I understand it's the NFL and it's a lot different than it but bringing this high-powered offense usually helps and it's obviously offense is a huge huge help to the thing but usually bringing people like this is a lot better it doesn't doesn't work always I said that's why I'm saying usually but it usually is a good idea and that's why I think compared to what you're about to say I'm assuming compared to what you're about to say is a, a, one of the better hires, but not the best. So, in my, in my all right. I, again, I respect respectfully disagree. I think you're. <laughs> I think you bring up a lot of good points. I do. College coaches don't work, people. Um, they never do, and they never will. You have no experience in the NFL. Matt Rule had none. You bring him straight out of Baylor. Baylor's not even a big program at all. Either was Texas Tech when Cliff Kingsbury got hired. Said the same thing last year. And I get that you're trying to do the Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury, air raid attack type thing. I get it. High-scoring offense. I totally get it. <laughs> but it doesn't work. And I, I would be okay if you're giving him like a two-year, like $5 million deal or whatever. I don't care. Two-year 10. That's probably being nicer. But do you see how long his contract is? Seven years, $62 million. Oh, my. I didn't what? <laughs> what are you doing again? Are you high? <laughs> what are you doing? You cannot give a college coach a seven, seven, 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven-year deal when he hasn't proven jack squat. I mean, he went 13 and something and almost made the uh, 12 and two. 12 and two. Sorry. And, and almost made the playoffs. Lost to Oklahoma twice. Lost to Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Really didn't play any good competition all year long. And I love Baylor. I thought they were a decent team. But, again, he didn't really prove anything to anybody. Uh, and, really, <laughs> this was just another bad hire. I, I am thoroughly disappointed. I am thoroughly disappointed with what I have seen in the coaching hires. Um I think this one is on a different level of bad because it's not personally bad. I think Matt Rule was a great coach at Baylor. It's just the transition will not work. Trust me. Mark my words. It just won't work. I hope it does because Christian McCaffrey deserves he need, he needs someone a good new. team. Otherwise, he's going to do a Le'Veon Bell and go, bitch, I'm out. <laughs> Excuse my language, but that's what he's going to do. You want to keep Christian McCaffrey? Play better. Okay, so I'm done ranting. Yes. As we've talked about football for the last 50 minutes, we'll decide to finally uh, step away from that. We've got to take advantage of it while we can. NFL slowly coming to the end. It's the NFL playoffs, basketball, and all the other sports, hockey. They're all still going to be around here in the next few months. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about them. But for now, we're going to be moving on. We're going to be talking, as I said about this, this time, Mark, just going against what I just said, but we're going to be talking about the NBA. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest injuries that just happened recently was uh, Blake Griffin. Yeah, and the big issue with Blake Griffin, he's had knee issues since he was on the Clippers a long time ago. Obviously known as one of the biggest high-flying athletes the NBA's ever seen. And another knee procedure, a likely season-ending knee surgery for Blake Griffin. And you wonder if this is the nail in the coffin for Blake. He's had a great career. MVP caliber at times, but it, it just is not has not worked out, and I think that this is finally the time that he calls it quits. Uh, he's averaging 15.5 points this season. That's far lower than any other season ever, shooting only 35% from the field and 24% from three. These numbers are just poor. They're not Blake Griffin-esque in any way. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's shot 111 threes this year. He's only made 27. And if you're really counting that up, that's like 83, 84 missed threes in just over 100 shots. You and it's not not something that's going to be one of the better ideas. And as we've just been saying, I mean, Blake Griffin stick to stick to comedy. He's one of the better comedians. Got got yeah, yes. to enjoy that. But as he he's been in the legal. A decent for him and how he plays with such explosiveness. The people with those don't usually have long careers, as we've seen yeah. with Derrick Rose and what is it, Nate Robinson. They they don't last that long. So I I, I understand Blake Griffin's a great talent. He's a he's an all star talent. People love to watch him. But when you got so many knee injuries, you slowly start to, like your knee slowly starts to deteriorate. You can't get the same explosiveness, and you're not able to score. And that's what we've seen on a Blake Griffin. And that's why, as you've been saying, I think time is slowly ticking up. And as we've said so far, as the main, basically main theme of this entire podcast, it's uh, father time is finally catching up yeah. with some of these players and some of these people is that we've just got to – it sucks to see, and it sucks. I mean, we're, we're into this new decade. we got to be able to move on, find some new, uh, new explosive players. Maybe if Zion decides to start – has his knee finally heal up, we'll be able to watch him, have him maybe replace Blake Griffin – and I hope for your case that's right. And I let's flip yeah. to this because Zion is participating in his first five-on-five five practice all year. It's Jan- well, all decade, all you get it all all yes. season. Um, <laughs> it's optimistic, maybe. It's optimistic, maybe. But this legit just screams to me like Greg Odin. <laughs> And for those of you who do not know Greg Oden, allow me to give you a quick 30-second history lesson. Greg Oden was the first pick in the 2000, I believe it was the 2008 uh, NBA draft. Yes, 2008 yes. NBA draft. A lot of potential. Went, was drafted by the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, but the major concern was, of course, his knees. And what happened? Well, he had a very, very short career, so to speak. About six or seven years. Mm-hmm. And then who got drafted right after Greg Oden? 
Do you know? Oh God, I can't remember. It's the snake. Kevin Durant. There we go. All right. Um, if only Portland had drafted Kevin instead. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> it is so sad. Um, and it's the same thing here. Zion probably not going to have a very successful career. John Morant, who is possibly the future of the NBA. He's having a lot better of a career, even though he plays kind of the same way, so to speak, as Zion, just a lot smaller than he is. Yeah. Not, not built like a defensive tackle. <laughs> he's built, yeah, have you seen him throw a football, too? I know. He could, he could launch Woo! it. He, he could, he's like a rocket. I mean, he could just launch that thing long distance. And, you know, I hope for his sake that he can – rebound from all these knee injuries but i don't see it and yeah. i hope i'm right i want to touch on one last thing before we uh leave here today and we are going back to the nfl um yes. oh, great. <laughs> i want to get our game picks for this weekend all right something um, super quick so. so first game i know the schedule you don't have to pull mm -hmm. it up i got it um vikings niners first game go i really believe i'm I'm going to be a Niners hater here. I'm also going to be, as, as I like to do with the underdogs, I'm going with Minnesota in this one. <laughs> you may be like saying, what the heck, Ethan, you're Ladies doing? Ladies and gentlemen, you have gotten to Ethan. He yes. is now I do not believe. Crazy. Just gonna, yes, I'm going to believe that. Even though San Francisco, this is our first time in the playoffs, Jimmy G really has not played a, he hasn't played a single playoff game so, so far yet this season. And of course, he hasn't played one yet this season. God, yeah, this season, yeah, his career. Sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, he's not hes not going to have the experience, and although Kirk Cousins doesn't either, I believe that Niners, or the, excuse me, the uh, Vikings defense is a lot better than the Niners. My personal opinion, even though it's you may be saying that. And what? I yes. I, yes. I, what? I, you said that. All right. Uh, yeah, no. So I'm um, saying the Vikings. I've got 24 to 14. Niners offense gets rolling. Defense stops Dalvin Cook and that, and that team. Yeah, they're not losing this one. Sorry, All right. Vikings. Alrighty, what's what's the next game? Titans Ravens. Titans Ravens. As much as I like the Titans, I know. As my brother is saying here, hi. And as much as I like the Titans, and thank you for going or for knocking off the Patriots, I am going to have yeah. to stick with the high-powered, OP, overpowered, unstoppable Lamar Jackson and the yeah. uh, Ravens. It's an easy pick there. Yeah, I I'm with you on this one. I. I would again. I will be rooting for the Titans, but they 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 have no chance. I, I'm going with a lopsided score of 30 to 17. Ravens just get it rolling at the right time in the right places. Ravens win big. Alrighty, moving on to the next game. I finally pulled up the schedule. There we go. <laughs> Chiefs versus Texans. I have the Chiefs obviously in this game. You may be saying something different. I don't know, but I believe Patrick Mahomes. Finally looking for uh, revenge, so to speak, in the playoffs after he didn't get a chance against New England and Tom Brady in overtime when in the, in the year that they really looked like they could have won it last year. He's coming back for revenge, and he's going to be hot, so I think it's going to be an easy win for them. Okay. Um, how do I word this? I, I think <laughs> the Chiefs are the most overrated team all year. I've said that a lot, actually. They lose to Houston. Um Texans, again, this one is my upset pick. I don't know how much I believe in it. But you always got to have an upset pick. I, I'm going to go with Houston. Uh, close game, high scoring. We'll go 27-24. How about that? And uh, Texans win it on a field goal with about a minute left, and the Chiefs can't answer. Yeah, Houston's coming to this game is the highest seed as all of the uh, – I believe the away teams won except for Houston in the yeah, entire Yeah, every playoffs, other so. divisional winner was knocked out except yeah. for Houston this past weekend. Um, right, final, final picks as our time is running up. Uh, we have the Packers versus the Seahawks. Not the first time these guys have versed each other and not going to be the last. <laughs> Beast mode. That's all I got to say, Seahawks win. All right, I would have to agree the Packers are the most – is, in my opinion, the worst 13-3 and team I've ever seen in a while. New Orleans this year. Yeah, New Orleans? Mm. They, they had some more to give compared to this Packers team. I don't really think they have much to stop this Russell Wilson offense, and I believe they're going to 
roll over the Packers, and that's probably a good thing that all the, all the Chicago Bears fans are probably thanking me for finally joining their side. Well, I, I, this one I actually genuinely think too, and this one really isn't much of an upset. It really isn't um, because Seattle is eleven and five and easily could have won that division, and Seattle could have been a one seed and they could have been a five seed. Flip of a coin. The Seahawks are one of the best wildcard teams I've seen in existence, and. Seattle, I think, can easily take control of this game. Marshawn Lynch, I think they give him the touches, and he plays really well. Russell Wilson, of course, excellent. And hopefully Jadavion Clowney doesn't try and kill somebody this time. <laughs> um, although it would be to their Whoops. benefit if they can knock out Aaron Rodgers. But that's the show, folks. Yep. Thanks for tuning in here at WCAT Live, The Den. Uh, thanks for watching us, and stay tuned until next week. We'll be probably talking even more sports, probably more football as – the playoffs continue, and this has been it. I'm Ethan. I'm Matthew Posner. Have a good night, everybody.